Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the latest Man on the Post-European podcast. I'm your host, James Rowe, and once again tonight, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, this edition of the Man on the Post-European football podcast is going to be sponsored by coffee. So I've had like two or three today, so to get me through the day at work and look forward to chatting some European football. Very interesting. That's a lovely combination, that is, European football <laughs> and coffee. In my, although in my case, I've been drinking a lot more tea recently. <laughs> I've been going for all the different kind of flavoured tea bags and stuff like that. Yeah. We are we are going to start tonight, Scott, with a Spanish team that's making waves mm-hmm. and uh, is slowly making an impression and building blocks to become an established La Liga team. They held Atletico this weekend and we're talking about Girona. Uh, and um, they've, they got promoted to La Liga for the first time in, in 87 years I think it was last season. and uh, 20, 2016 17. So, yeah. yeah, 2017. Yeah, and they've, uh, their debut season at the top level, they uh, they kicked a lot of shins and they um, and they stood their ground and got some very, very positive results. And under the tutelage of the manager, Sergio Sacrisan, who was did a wonderful job at El Sociedad, he was also part of the wonderful Jan Cruz dream team of uh, Barcelona 92. Um, this Girona side is uh, slowly starting to become established and taking more and more seriously. I I think I'm right in saying as well they were unlucky not to qualify for the Europa League last season. Yeah, I think they fell just short. Um, I think maybe it was either Raul Batiste yeah. and Sevilla may have grabbed the last couple of spots. Yeah. Yeah. I know Sevilla had to go through the awful three rounds of qualifying, and I think they, I think maybe three or four rounds of qualifying, so they just mm. probably just got pipped by them. Yeah, but I mean it's really impressive. I mean they're currently sitting yeah. in, they're currently sitting in sixth, having lost only three. Uh, only three of the fourteen matches this season, and they um they're unbeaten in their last six, and I think it's really timely. I mean, we we've discussed a fair few teams in all our pods, uh, European podcasts since we started, but it's always nice to shine a light on somebody different, and I think we can rightly give Girona some some plaudits tonight, and um, and let people know that they need to check this team out because they will uh, they will give a fair few Spanish teams both at home and away a bloody nose this season. I think. Yeah, they've picked up some very good um, away performances. They've already knocked uh, Espanyol and Valencia off their perch away from home. Uh, they beat um, Valencia one now, and just a couple of weeks ago they went to Espanyol and won three one. And Espanyol have been doing quite well this season. Yeah. It's it's a it's a league where the the so not the biggest teams like the the set the below the Real Madrid's the Barcelona's yeah. have been struggling like Villarreal Valencia have, have just had an awful season. Atlet, um, Athletic Club. Um, 
are in the relegate, they're like almost in the relegation zone, and they've had an absolute shocker. Mm. And it's really nice to see someone like uh, Girona, mm. who Pablo Machine, who's now at Sevilla, laid the groundwork last season, mm. and um, Eusebio is just coming and like hit the floor running. Yeah. And the addition of uh, Patrick Roberts, yeah. the ex- I know for Manchester City, the ex-Celtic and Fulham winger. Yeah. And, and it's been a breath of fresh air. Um, there was a lot, lot of criticism last season because Girona is one of Manchester City's... Um, feeder clubs. Yeah, the feeder clubs. They're one yeah. of six feeder clubs. And um, Pep Guardiola, his brother, owns like 44.3% oh, okay. with his group, which is the Girona Football Group. And then Manchester City's like group only 44.3% as well mm. so like last season there was quite a few Man City players on loan at the club um, and then this season there's only two so it's Patrick Roberts and Douglas Luis the on loan uh, the Brazilian and they're on loan there at the, at the club and they're both doing very well this season and you can see Girona returning heads and you never know they could get European football yeah because Lally yeah. it's been very unpredictable this season yeah I certainly wouldn't rule it out and looking at their squad as well they've got Sedou Se- uh, Dumbia from the Ivory Coast wow. who pulled up a lot of trees at uh, I think he was at Seska Moscow yeah and, the, uh, and, uh, yeah yeah Seska yeah, and, uh, we had a career in Switzerland yeah. as well and uh, Mark Munieso Muni- who played for Stoke but I think the biggest name they have and a player who I think is criminally underrated and Middlesbrough fans may well disagree, but we're talking about Christian Stuani. Yeah, 11 goals this season yeah. in La Liga. Yeah, and I swear, I mean, Middlesbrough fans can shoot me down what I'm about to say, but if they'd have played him regularly in his properly in his proper position, he they might well have not got relegated in the season that they was in the Premier League. Because they had some very good players. and For example, I think uh, Martin Delone was extremely hard done by not to play as uh, uh, not to play many games in that season. They had a, a real focal point in Christian Suani, but he hardly ever played. Um, you, you'd think when you've got a player like that in your, uh, on your books, if you want to survive, you, you've got to play your best player, surely, every day of the week. I know Karanka is like he's now not in Forest and he's doing quite a good job at Forest this season they're putting up trees in the championship but he was very um, defensive minded yeah. at, um, at Middlesbrough I think that was like to his, what he had to do in the Premier League because he, he, did, he was set the team not to lose and mm. I think Borough fans wanted to, him to set the team up to win and it, it, it cost them in the end and it did get the best out of some players like Stoani yeah, well, I, I, that, that season they was in the Premier League. They also had uh, Gaston Alamiris, and I, I was at the Arsenal Middlesbrough home match in London where we drew 0 0. And the most exciting thing that happened in that match was uh, Gaston Ramirez hitting the post from a free kick. And um, you thought when you saw that side of Martin Delone and uh, I think George Friend is an underrated left back as well, you thought that with a bit more panache and a bit more fight that this they've got a good group of players and I expected I expected Suani to feature more in that respect but he's found a, a good home yeah. and he's been one of the players of La Liga over the last 18 months on the, the two players that we were talking about earlier um, Darun and who, who was uh, 
Yeah, Darun and George Friend is Darun yeah. is now on uh, back at Atalanta yeah. and doing a very good job in Italy. Yeah, he's recently called up for the Dutch national team as well. And when he yeah. played, I mean, he's always been an excellent player. He's, he's always been a, a, an excellent player. It's just a system that you play him in. And he's also an extremely intelligent player. And um, yeah, for me, it's no surprise to see him doing well. But yeah. and, and also, we mustn't forget with Stuani that he was, even though he was um, in, in and around squads and, and finding a home with Shirona, he was also involved in the uh, Uruguayan squads for the World Cup as well. And uh, yeah. that, that's no mean no, no feat. Oscar Labarres doesn't select you if you're not, if you're not good and if you're not going to play. And um, as you say, I think you made a great point. In fact, he's, 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 found, he's found a new home where he's gaining new plaudits. And, uh, yeah, I fully agree. I think this Girona uh, side may very well be playing European football for the first time in their history very soon. Gaston Romero is the other player to think about. And he's, he was playing, he's now at Sampdoria and he's yeah. doing very well at Sampdoria. On um, Girona, the one-all result against Atletico, they were actually quite unlucky not to come away with the three points. They conceded a very late equaliser. Mm. Um, the Brazilian Jonas um, was a very unlucky because he got in front of Diego Costa mm. it went to clear the ball and it just diverted into his own net it was just a, just a, an unlucky finish uh, yeah well as I say I mean I think uh, I think Atletico have, have struggled against Girona as well I think it's, it's becoming a bit three, of a three draws in a row yeah I think it's be- right. yeah I think it's becoming a bit of a bogey side for them and and not just that I think in the uh, in the dar- in the derbies of the region of uh, of Barcelona for example when playing against Espanyol and Barcelona themselves Girona have put up a real fight and um, yeah for me it's it's no surprise and it's nice for us to uh, to shine a light on them and we wish them the best of luck for the remainder of the campaign and I, I personally hope they go on to secure European football for the first time It'd be a fairy tale story for a club that's only been in La Liga for like two seasons Exactly, but it just goes to show how quickly things can change at, yeah. at, at all levels you know, if you've got, I mean uh, finally with their manager Eusebio Sacrisan you know, he's, he was a disciple of Cruyff I believe and you know he did exce- he did exceptional work at Real, at Real Sociedad. He really got them to be an established uh, La Liga side, uh, you know, and and really pushing up the table again rather than just consolidating. And I think that that I think that plays its part in his methods working at Girona as well. We are now going to move on to a place in France which I think many wine lovers may well know. <laughs> And they might think about the quality of the wine, but the football team, the football team isn't a bad team, but it's a team which has fallen on hard times in recent years, and it's a team that's got an awful, awful lot of uh, of, of potential. And we're going to talk about Chardonnay, uh, uh, the Bordeaux, and uh, they are currently in um, they are currently uh, in Ligue 1. They are in eleventh position, having lost five of their fifteen games. They've drawn their last four, but yet their draw from last weekend will have turned many heads because they've uh, drawn at home to the runaway champions already after only 15 rounds in Paris Saint-Germain. What's your, what's your opinion of uh, Bordeaux this, uh, this season, Scott? Um, it's been a bit of a hodgepodge of a season for them. Um, in the summer, Gus Poyet now suspended and sacked coach of Bordeaux mm-hmm. um, was very upset with the board for um, selling their striker 
Gatienne, uh, Gatienne Laborde. He's now went to Montpellier and now is doing very well for Montpellier. And we, we talked about Montpellier a couple of weeks ago. Indeed we did. Uh, yeah, and um, Laborde has now got six goals in 12 games. And he went from, from Bordeaux to Montpellier for €3 million. Euros and Poya came out and was very frustrated with the board. And um, he got suspended and sacked for criticising the sale of the striker on TV and then in came in charge of Ricardo Gomez mm-hmm. um, who's now been picked as general manager and Eric is it Bedior as my French is probably not the greatest as it was when I was at school as the coach so once a general manager and once a coach yeah and, and as, as we were talking about earlier um, on Sunday they drew against PSG I had the game on, on in the background because I was watching Roma Inter on my laptop mm. um and because of the kickoff time zone, there's like a half hour difference because uh, France they kick off at eight, and then Italian Sunday games they kick off at half seven UK time. And I caught the last twenty minutes before I was doing another podcast, mm-hmm. and um, it was a very, very good late performance from Bordeaux. They picked up a very up crucial point. Um, veteran striker Jimmy Boyond yeah. um, leveled for them, and then uh, unknown Atalanta striker Andreas Cornelius yeah. um, of Cardiff fame. <laughs> Sorry, Cardiff fans. He didn't have the best of time in in, in Wales for you in the uh, in the Premier League a couple of seasons. He, he pops up and have the equaliser from close range, but it's been a, but quite hit and miss. As you said, they've drawn four of their last other games, um, but they've only picked one win out of seven, and that was against uh, against Nantes in earlier October. They've also lost to Montpellier and Nice, and then a spirited one all draw away at Lyon, and then three more draws against Caen, Dijon, and against PSG. And also in the Europa League, they've been very, very poor. They've yeah. only picked up one out of five, which was against Slavia Prague. Yeah, I think it, I, th- I think they found the group uh, a bridge too far for them, especially yeah. the, especially the away days, you know, with uh, in St Petersburg, Prague, and uh, and Copenhagen. You know, they were always going to be difficult. But when you look at Bordeaux, you know, they've won the French title six times, and ten years ago for the uh, the last time under Laurent Blanc. And they've, you know, the, the the club itself has always had excellent players, you know, with the likes of uh, of Tiganar and Dugari and and, and Oleg, Oleg uh, Ramedi, uh, the goalkeeper, and Alain Chires going back way into into the into the realms of time. Um, as far when I think of Bordeaux recently, they were in the frame to hire Thierry Henry before he went to to Monaco, but Monaco, yeah. but he turned he turned them down. And uh, considering how he's struggling at um, at uh, Monaco, you would think that to to ease yourself into top level management in France, surely Bordeaux would have been the easier gig, and maybe the more fruitful one long term. But you just never know, I suppose. Also, um, on Bordeaux, they've also been well known for like the Malcolm situation, yeah. which in in the summer uh, where. Uh, as a Roma fan, we had a deal struck for 35 million euros and he was about to come into Rome. Yeah. But then he didn't board the plane and then he ended up at Barcelona. Mm. And it, it cost uh, Barcelona, I think it was like 40 to 45 million euros. Mm. And he's hardly, hard, up, up until recently, he's hardly um, had a kick. Um, also, I just wanted to point it out um, I know you're an Arsenal fan. Um, Benoit Costil was the club captain. Yeah. He has a very striking res- resemblance to former Arsenal player Olivier Giroud. 
Indeed he does. Indeed, yes, indeed, indeed he does. I mean, I, I, I remember I, I first come across Ben Walker-Steele when he was involved in the French national team um, ma- friendly match against the Netherlands in Amsterdam. Uh, the Mar- um, I think it was the... Uh, the, uh, I think it was about two, um, not last March, but I think the March before, and um, you know he was. I don't think he, uh, he didn't, um, he didn't play it. I don't think, but he was involved in the squad, and um, yeah, I think he's been a he's been a mainstay of uh, uh, for Bordeaux since he signed for them from Rennes, and um, yeah, I think they have. To, when you look at their squad, they've also got some good players. I mean. I think Jimmy Briand, as you as you mentioned, is very underrated. But I don't know if Bordeaux have been suffering from a kind of uh, may, maybe not so much the money's dried up, but they used to have a really good scouting system, and that doesn't appear to be there anymore. Or, or maybe they're just struggling to really find themselves again. And um, yeah, you know, for to go from ten seasons, I know to, I know a week is a long time in football, let alone a season. But to go from being at the top of the pile ten seasons ago this season. To having not much to offer on a domestic front and struggling in Europe, you wonder if it's been a lost decade. You, I certainly wonder if it's been a lost lost decade for the club. I think probably now recently with the, the money that the Qatari money that PSG's had, I think maybe the times have changed in Liga, where you yeah. had Lyon, Bordeaux, Monaco, Etau in the early two thousands running away with it, and now this new money's coming to coming to PSG and they're buying all the talent from other clubs. I wonder if that's just passed some clubs by in Liga, where possibly. Gonna, and I know we 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 talked about PSG. We said that the run has to end somehow, yeah. but we don't know when that run's going to end, and that's probably passed some of the clubs by. You just look at Monaco this season; they've been it's been utter horrible, and I don't think I don't know what's going to happen with them. And it, Bordeaux might fall into that, but they've got some good players in that squad mm. um, they've got a player that I like in Jan Caramo Car- uh, from Inter Milan where he he was a con and then came to Inter under Spalletti played quite a few games last season I think they loaned him out just to uh, hone his craft and he's a very talented player and then so they've got Jimmy Brion uh, mm. they've got Yaroslav Placil uh, Ben Wachostel is a club captain and he's a very very good goalkeeper in Liga yeah. and did very well at Ron. Um, they've got the players. Uh, Ricardo Gomez is a very good, astute coach. He did well in France before, um, before he had his, his stroke, and, and then when he went back to Brazil. But yeah, they've got the, st- the stuff there. They've got that lovely stadium as well now, which is a fantastic stadium, which held some games in uh, Euro 2016. It's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember the old one they had. I think they. Uh, but I'm not not too familiar with the with the new one um, yeah it'll be very interesting to see what happens to them Scott they're currently five points off the relegation places with 15 rounds to go and France start a midweek round tonight so it'll be interesting to see uh, to see what happens and um, I think they're playing today probably. yeah they're, they're, no, they're playing tomorrow at home oh, tomorrow, tomorrow that's it yeah it's an Etienne. I think yeah. it was either today or tomorrow I saw it advertised yeah there's there's, my... there's three matches tonight um Monaco away to Amiens and uh, Nice at home to Angers and Montpellier play Lille and then yep. the, and then tomorrow you've got um, Strasbourg going against Paris Saint-Germain, Lyon against Rennes and Bordeaux against Saint Etienne. So it'll be very interesting this what to see what this midweek round will bring and um, 
Yeah, so um, I just uh, hope that uh, Bordeaux can find their way out of it because when you have in a in a league table the likes of uh, Marseille and Lille and Montpellier doing a tremendous job with the resources they have, you'd, you'd think you'd expect perhaps a little bit more oomph from uh, from Bordeaux in this respect. Yeah, maybe they've just got like fallen a little bit behind. Yeah. Um, I know they got taken over. Not so long ago, yeah, in July, uh, General American uh, Capital Partner CEO Joseph de, Gro- de Grossier per- pursued the purchase of the French professional team for 70 million euros after 19 years of the M6 ownership. That's... So they've got the, the new ownership, and you know, always like the first year is more like a, just a getting in new players and getting rid of like uh, players that you don't want no more, like the Deadwood, and maybe they're just trying to do that, and then maybe. January and in the summer you might see the real Bordeaux where they try and find more uh, players suited for them yeah well I mean as you say yeah well as you say I think finally to make final point on this 70 million euros I know it's a lot of money but for buying a football club I think that's cheap yeah nowadays where um, (laughs) you can get um, to be honest Palermo sold their got sold for 10 euros the other day goodness I think we could have paid more yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have one crazy owner, which we probably can talk about on a later, yeah, a later day. Yeah, you can you can fill us in on on his uh, exploits through the years, Mr. Zamperini. Uh, yeah. We are now we are going to finish tonight by speaking about uh, the club from the Ruhr who are looking forward to the uh, derby of the Ruhr this weekend when Schalke entertain Dortmund. So uh, um, we're going to talk about FC Schalke under the tutelage of uh, manager Domenico Tedesco. And uh, what's your current um, opinions and thoughts about Schalke, Scott, in this, uh, at this moment in time? Um, so last season, they probably had one of the best seasons they've had in a long while, where they finished second behind Bayern Munich. And, yeah. But Tedesco, it was Tedesco's first season, and I know they're playing Borussia Dortmund this weekend. Um, what really turned my eye was, I was actually at a game, I was actually at a Swindon Newport game with my mate Craig and we looked at this uh, Dortmund Schalke score and it was like oh, Dortmund are 4 nil up and then at half time of our game we looked again and it was 4 all, and I was like what the hell has happened and then I got home and saw the highlights and then Schalke were brilliant in the second half and he changed it he likes to play with a back three um, a man after my own heart like a three Four three formation, and they got the best out of the players. And um, Nabil Bentaleb of X of Tottenham has been like a real star for the last couple of years. But this season has been a bit of um, they didn't start very well. They lost their first five games of the season, and they were and it took them to the sixth game of the season, which was a one 0 win over Mainz. Mm-hmm. And they've picked up a few wins recently. Um, they did well in the Champions League, even though they got beat by Porto last midweek. They lost 3-1, but they've already qualified because yeah. SC Porto have gone away with a group. They finished second, and it's between Lokomotiv Moscow and Galatasaray for the final um, for the Europa League berth. But, yeah, I think the fans will be looking forward to this derby, um, hoping to put one over Dortmund. But that might be a stretch too far because Borussia Dortmund have been one of the best teams yeah. to watch in the this season. Yeah. 2-0 against Freiburg um, 
thanks to Marco Roy's penalty and Paco Alcas there. Mm. And um, Jaden Sanchez just been unbelievable this season. You can tell by the way he was brought up that he was a street footballer and he's honed his craft here in the UK and he's taken it to another level in the Bundesliga. Uh, and Schalke, uh, Schalke are going to be on the receiving end of that at the weekend and they have to be on their best best performance to, to nullify him. Yeah, I think so. I think Sancho, just to go off uh, to speak about Dortmund for a second, he's really being helped by the tutelage of Lucien Favre. Because having interviewed Fabian Johnson when he had him at uh, Mönchengladbach and he said, you know, he's just so meticulous, even telling Johnson, you know, what what foot he should be using when collectively trying to, to defend the set piece or f- trying to um, kind of relieve the pressure. And I think with uh, Sancho being so susceptible to a, a good advice to help him improve even more, you know, he's he's gone to arguably the best manager in Germany at this moment in time. And... Uh, to have to have that experience so young will will stand him in good stead. But I think, uh, as you say, Schalke will have to be at their best uh, to get anything from the game against the league leaders. They've looking at their squad. They have got some very good players. Though. I know. I know their goalkeeper Alf uh, Farman is uh, is high is uh, is highly rated, and uh, Benedict Howard is 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 a World Cup winner. And he's I, he's now playing in if, I think he's in Russia or he's he's might be at Lokomotiv Moscow. Mm. How it is because he was on loan at Juventus last season. Oh, I, thought, I thought he was playing yeah. for I thought he was playing for Schalke still. No, no, oh. he's he's gone. He's 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 had his farewells. He got to Tedesco. I think Tedesco on the board sort of like ousted him out. Oh, that's a, it's a bit of a, I, well. I I apologise to the listeners. I I must have missed. Uh, under underestimated that fact. I kind of uh, I kind of went on on out on a limb and thought he played for the club. So my apologies on that one because we always like to provide accurate information here. So obviously I hold my hands up and admit that I was wrong. Thank you very much for putting me right, Scott. Very much appreciated. It's fine. We all make mistakes. Don't worry. I. It's it's fine. I made a couple the other week, and then then re-listening to it, I was like, oh my god, what have I done? But no, it's fine. um, Talking about Schalke, um, I feel like it could be like a second season syndrome for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been a bit found out with the system they they play. Um, The the back three, they also lost... um, one of the defenders went to PSG for massive money. Uh, his, his name passed it. It might be Cre- is it Crenier? Oh, I can't really pronounce it. But he went for big money, and then um, the Leon Goretzka situation was not the best. So he ran his contract out, and then he announced that he was going to buy Munich before this season was up, and got booed. Mm. When the Schalke played one of their home games last season, yeah, it's just, and they also lost Max Meyer, who also let his contract end, and he's now playing for Crystal Palace. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them this this coming Saturday because, as I said earlier, Dortmund are absolutely flying. Yeah, I think I, I think some of the players that I know they have uh, Bril Mbolo, who's got bags of pace, the Swiss uh, the Swiss striker, and I, I've always rated the young German midfielder Johannes Kreis. I think I think I think he's somewhat underrated. So there are there are green shoots in that squad, but I've, as you say, I think maybe it's the it's the rhythm of um of maybe uh, the intensity of Champions League and then going back to uh, to, to to Bundesliga perhaps, uh, action perhaps. Yeah, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday slog. 
when you haven't got European football, you can really concentrate on one, two competitions. Yeah. You can concentrate on the league, the Bundesliga and uh, the DFB Pakal. But if you've got Champions League or European group uh, fixtures to fulfil, you'll be you're all on three fronts. So you'll be playing, as I said, like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, yeah. and then it, it take its toll and take its toll on the players. And yeah, they have to think of one and not of all three. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. We'll keep a close eye on that derby. That brings us to the end of our latest Man on the Post European podcast. Scott, would you like to tell the listeners how they can get hold of you via Twitter? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, on social media uh, at Scott underscore Monroe. I recently did the Seriasic down with the uh, with Richard and um, not Frank because he's, he wasn't with us. So it was just me and uh, Richard Carmen, mm-hmm. and he was uh, very complimentary about the Man on the Post podcast. Oh, wonderful! Well, it just goes to show it's nice that we we're, we're being uh, well, not just us, but also the whole entire Man on the Post network that we uh, we try to strive for quality and that everybody's uh, receptive to it and says nice things that's a that's a nice feather in the cap definitely yeah it was it was good to good to talk Serie A football with him uh, Richard I haven't been on the podcast for probably close to 10 or 11 months so oh, it was goodness. good to uh, good to talk Serie A football on Sunday night absolutely and uh, listeners they can get hold of me on at James Rowe NL uh, finally I'd like to put you in the direction of the Man on the Post podcast network uh, we have uh, really something for everybody in terms of Man on the Post Extra Time, Unusual Efforts, Man on the Post European Podcast, which is what we do. And uh, we know we have a lot of competition for European podcasts, but if you want to know what the best one is, where you're listening to it, so you haven't got to look too far ahead of you. I've just found the player that's left uh, Schalke to go to PSG for £33 million. And he, to be honest, he played really well against Liverpool. It was Tilo Kehra. Okay. So it's K-E-H-R-I-R. I'm, I apologise if I botched the surname. Um, yeah, <laughs> so he left for big money. So and he was one of the best, one of the uh, good, good players to watch. And then Schalke bought um, Salif Sane from Hanover. And I think he's just taking his time to adapt to the yeah. The yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah. yeah, if he if if you did botch his surname, you can he can always get in, get in touch with us and give us a ring and let us know what it is. <laughs> yes. Finally, listeners, thank you very much for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it as always. Don't be shy to send in your questions in future. I know we do have some shy voices out there, but you can send them through any time. And finally, do not um, do not forget to always keep your man on the post. Thank you.